Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Introducing the s Podcast channel, your one-stop source for all types of podcasts. We are always on the look for new podcasts to join our channel. If there is any topic you would like to discuss, contact us now. We can be reached on all social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. You can also contact us by email or leave us a voicemail at 516-570-9248. So make sure to contact us now so you can start your podcast soon. And now, a beauty production presents... The most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the Beard. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Sarasso and Jose the Talking Beard Rivera. And welcome to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 48. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we are at the NBA playoffs time. It is just about to start this weekend. The NHL playoffs have begun as well. We'll give you our pits for both of the finals on that one. But we have to start this podcast episode with the ultimate shocker to begin. Madge Johnson has left the Los Angeles Lakers, just completely coming out of nowhere, just saying he was done. And I, I think this is one of the strangest moves because I don't even think Magic was going to get fired. Uh, he probably should have, but I don't think he was going to be fired after this year. Uh, but it has been a complete mess for the Lakers. So what's your original thoughts when it comes to Magic Johnson leaving? Well, honestly, I was surprised, um, you know, getting the notification. I thought this was going to be a thing where, you know, Magic is going to help turn the Lakers around. Him and LeBron are going to, you know, partner together to build a better team. I think surprise is just a good word for this year. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, you and I both have said on multiple podcasts that Magic should get more blame. But neither one of us thought Magic was going to get fired. And it doesn't seem like the owner of the Lakers was going to fire him either. Um, there's multiple reports saying that you know Janine Buss was going to tell Magic, you can pick the coach, you can basically do whatever you want. And a lot of people are speculating maybe Magic just didn't want all that pressure. But honestly, I'm just really surprised. There's not much else to say. Um, because neither one of us thought this was going to be the end of his, you know, his run with the Lakers. I think his excuse was a little pathetic. Um, I think... You know, it's a little sad that he kind of is leaving this Lakers in, in, in this, you know, in this kind of unknown state, right? We don't know what's going to happen with the team going forward. You recruited LeBron James here for a reason. Now you're gone. Honestly, Nick, what this feels like to bring it to almost NCAA terms, it's kind of like when a kid goes to a school because the coach recruited him and then now the coach leaves or the coach gets fired and the kid is stuck there going to school there for four years or two years or however long before he can actually transfer. It's kind of like that for LeBron James, right? LeBron James only came to L.A. to follow Magic Johnson and to put this plan together. And now Magic Johnson leaves and LeBron's kind of just like, well, what now? And I feel like the entire organization is kind of in that, well, what now phase because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I understand Magic Johnson was saying that he missed some of the things that he did as a fan as opposed to when he's an owner. Um but honestly, I feel like Magic knows what you can and cannot do. 
as a well not an owner but as a president of baseball operations like he mentioned i wanted to text you know i wanted to tweet out congrats to Dwayne wade but i can't do that which i I highly doubt if you would have tweeted congratulations to Dwayne wade no one was going to think it was tampering or anything um i think magic did a poor job in his first year and unfortunately we're going to be left with a sour taste in our mouths of magic johnson great player terrible president president of basketball operations Again, as you said, my action, I'm just shocked, and I'm a little bit disappointed in that, Johnson. One of the things that stands out to me right off the bat is, obviously, this is a move that I think could possibly benefit the Lakers, because a lot of the reports were being said that you know he wasn't really involved with the team that much, and he was having issues with Rob Pointer on whether or not Pointer should stay. Uh, there were issues with Luke Walton on whether or not Walton is going. Uh, Luke Walton and the entire coaching staff is going to still be with the team as of next season. Uh, there, there become so many question marks with the Lakers right off the bat. Uh, you know, I, I think one, it's it's the right move that he stepped down in the sense. As much of it's shocking, I, I do think he avoided a firing. I, I do think he avoided uh, more towards the Phil Jackson. This reminds me so much of Phil Jackson. Yeah. High-end quality coach is Phil Jackson. Matt Jackson, one of the greatest players of all time. Both doing the president of a team of a high-market organization. New York, Los Angeles, high-market cities. On top of all that, they both are complete bomb-fest. Their only big moves is, you know, for Phil Jackson, it's getting Kamal Anthony. For Matt Johnson, it's getting LeBron James. They both had one big draft move as much as we want to praise Kyle Cruz. It was Magic went Lonzo Ball, and Phil Jackson went Porzingis. Both of them having one of the top five pits in the draft anyway, top three really. Uh, but... Everything else around them seemed to be a complete miss. They weren't able to sign anybody else in an offseason. They weren't able to bring anybody. They weren't able to trade for anybody. The organization hasn't made the playoffs in many years. It reminds me so much of that, and I think Magic almost wanted to get out before more ridicule could occur for him. Because this offseason's all the stars in the world. And if LeBron James can't recruit anybody, and Magic Johnson can't bring anybody in, how bad will that look on both of those men, especially on Magic, who's supposed to be the one making those signings, making those deals? So I I think the pressure certainly got to him. I I think he certainly struggled at times, and you know he wasn't as involved as I think we or Lakers fans wanted him to be at the end of the day, but. You know, Jose, it leaves another question in mind. When you think of the Lakers right now, they're at an uttermost dysfunction. Are they the most dysfunctional team in the NBA or in professional sports right now? You know, I think, you know, I thought long and hard about this because when you look across the major, you know, like the four major sports, um, Really, there's no baseball team right now that comes to mind about the, who's the most dysfunctional. Sure, you know, Baltimore is in a pretty bad spot. Miami Marlins is in a pretty bad spot. In baseball, I feel like there's always ways to do a quick turnaround, whether it's a company from the draft or signing a couple free agents. 
I feel like in baseball, it's fairly easy to get your team on track. Now, when it comes to football, again, baseball and football are so different in a way where it's always a revolving door. For two to three years, you know, it was Cleveland Browns. Now, all of a sudden, the Browns are going to be on their way to winning seasons and all this stuff. And now it's new teams that are at the bottom of the cellar. But in basketball, it's always the same teams that can't get out of their own way. And we're talking about two of the most functional franchises. It would really come down between the Lakers and the Knicks for me. However, i got to go with the Lakers, the most dysfunctional, because at least with the Knicks, fans, they're getting. They're getting a stingy owner in James Dolan, who is either going to want to call his own shots, bring in guys who don't know what they're doing, Bill Jackson, with an awkward plan. And Knicks fans expect that. But for the Lakers, this is a culture that's pride themselves on winning championships. Winning is in their DNA. Winning is what they're supposed to be doing. The Lakers hold themselves to a very high standard. And when Kobe started to decline as a player and his franchise started missing the playoffs nonstop, the plan was to get LeBron James to get them back on track along with Magic Johnson. And they haven't been able to do that. So over the past couple of years, the Lakers have had no plan. At least the Knicks have a plan. You know, they they tried to sign LeBron numerous times. Now they're going to try and sign KD. They're tanking for Zion. At least the Knicks are making moves to try and get out of this hole. The Lakers have no plan. And honestly, the best comparison to do right here is imagine the Yankees not being able to retool their roster properly and then, you know, fumbling with roster decisions, signing players who are not going to do anything, investing in the wrong young players, and then bringing in an aging superstar to help them solve this mess. A lot of Yankee fans would be upset and a lot of people would be embarrassed for the Yankees organization. This is what the Lakers are doing right now. After Kobe, there was no one to take over for the Lakers. They're investing in the wrong kids drafting the wrong people, trading guys way too soon before they peak, like D'Angelo Russell or even Zubak to the Clippers. I think that's going to be a mistake for them. And then they bring in an aging superstar like LeBron James, like he's going to solve all their problems. Guess what? This is in 2010. This is not 2011. LeBron James can't save you by himself anymore, and the Lakers put themselves in this position. I think clearly the Lakers are the most dysfunctional team in the NBA. And it's not even questionable. You talked about the teams that were the most dysfunctional were the New York Knits when they had Phil Jackson. But essentially, the Knits were never super bad. They just weren't good. And there, there was more just to them not being good, but they're still having plenty of players. And look at them. They're going to rebuild this entire team in one year. They're going to have one tank year. They finished with the worst record in the NBA. They're going to wind up one of the top three pits in the draft, which most likely would be Zion, R.J. Barrett, or Jay Mont. And once they go one of those three, ton of money, New York, and they have to sign players in the offseason. This is what the Knicks can do this year. Uh, the 76ers were the entire time the process, and they uh, fits that. As far as like clear as day, it's the Lakers. And especially, the best outside comparison is in the NFL. I think the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we'll be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers later on as well. There's just utter dysfunction when it comes to the Lakers. And it's really hard to figure out how to fix this right now. But for a starting point... Does LeBron James seem focused enough in basketball? Obviously, the season's over for him 
this year. But overall, the moment he came to Los Angeles, there became so many different projects that LeBron James was doing that it was, I think, extremely hard for him to relate to a lot of the young players on the team. But not only that, I think for him, this was the first year that he didn't have the mindset to be all in about basketball. And so I'm asking this one as, when he signed with the Lakers this season, do you think he ever thought he was going to make the playoffs? Or did do you think he ever thought he could compete with the Golden State Warriors? That For him, this was a vacation year off at the end of it all. And he's going to be able to retool himself and be fully focused in the NBA? Or this is a sign of things to come that he's trying to multitask a bit too much? No, I don't think he's trying to multitask a bit too much. I mean, the guy is a brand. It's what you get with LeBron James. And now he's in a city where he can actually expand on that brand and work on different projects. To me, that 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 argument is so silly. I get why people would think that way. You know, he's making movies, he's doing TV shows, blah, 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 all this other stuff. Good for him. You know, he deserves to do that at this point. He can do whatever he wants. He has to start thinking about life after basketball because he is getting up there with age. And I think LeBron still is a focused player. And if anybody can multitask the two, it's going to be LeBron James. Now, do I think this year was an outlier? Yeah, I do. Because from the very beginning, Magic Johnson made it clear that it really wasn't about this year. You and I, Nick, discussed this earlier, you know, when the season started or the season was going to start. It's not about this year for the Lakers. Why? Because they missed out on Paul George. Now, if the Lakers have gotten Paul George, now we're talking about LeBron gearing up. It's go time. We're going to make the playoffs. We're going to run at the Warriors. Then I can believe that. But when the Lakers ended up empty-handed with no Paul George, all of a sudden it became about next year. Can they land Kevin Durant? Can they bring back Kyrie Irving with LeBron? Can they get Kawhi Leonard? It's always been about next year because Magic said, if I can't land two major free agents in two years, I'll step down. Funny how he ended up stepping down after one. But the fact was that the minute they missed out Paul George, it was always about next year for the Lakers. So I don't blame LeBron if he wasn't focused this year. And I think for LeBron James, yeah, it sucks that he didn't make the playoffs. I think it was visible that he was upset about it. I don't think him and Luke Walton worked well together. I think that was another big issue that people not, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about. I think had they had another head coach, one that LeBron works well with, maybe you see a different LeBron, maybe a different Laker team. But the fact is LeBron didn't work well with Luke Walton. Um you know, this team didn't have enough talent around LeBron, and LeBron knew he wasn't going to be able to carry this team by himself. So if LeBron wasn't focused as much this year, which I think is a silly comment, then rightfully so, because it's not about this year. The Lakers should have made the playoffs because you have one of the best players on the planet still in LeBron James, but it didn't happen. Move on to next year, get a free agent, but it's always been about next year. And anybody who thought the Lakers were going to make the playoffs, or not make the playoffs because you have LeBron James, but anybody who thought that the Lakers thought that they were going to take down the Warriors and go to the finals this year, you're lying to yourself. It was always about next year as soon as Paul George said he was going back to the Thunder. Will the Lakers fire Luke Walton? I think so, and I think they should. Because to me, even, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but even if the Lakers decide to move on from LeBron, I know I'm jumping the gun in terms of conversation, but this kind of plays a factor in here. Even if the Lakers decide to move on from LeBron, they need to hit the restart button. 
I, I feel like Luke Walton this year lost the clubhouse in the midst, in the you know in the midst of the whole Anthony Davis trade and the whole well he can't even coach one of the greatest superstars in LeBron he can't get LeBron's attention that doesn't look good in a locker room and and I don't think even if the even if the Lakers were to move on from LeBron James I don't think all the kids in that clubhouse are going to be like well LeBron's gone we're going to listen to Luke again that's not going to happen the Lakers should just get a fresh start bring in a GM who wants to get his guy and whether that's a guy that LeBron works well with or if LeBron's not on the team and the GM wants to bring in his coach it should be a new face in that role as manager I feel bad for Luke Walton I don't think he really had a fair shot this year but I think the Lakers need a new person sitting on that bench next year no matter which direction they decide to go I mean I would love to see Luke Walton stay I don't think he was the problem this season and there wasn't much he could do at times. But, you know, it's going to be... I mean, do you really see that... Let's Do you really see that team turning around and being like, oh, Luke is back. Yes, let, let's let's go. I no. feel like Luke Walton's, Luke Walton's reputation has been really tainted this year. And would it surprise me for Luke Walton to get a job someplace else? No. I think Luke Walton would be... You know, I think he's still high up in the list for a lot of other head coach vacancies that may be out there this season or maybe, you know, a year away. But I find it very hard to believe that the Lakers are going to be able to to bring back Luke Walton and have the players buy in. No, I don't think he's coming back. I think because of the fact that if it seemed like there were so many problems between him and LeBron James that we, we just know the history of when it comes to... LeBron James and coaches, it's easier to assume, you know, you're getting the boot before you're staying as uh, the head coach. Uh, For the Lakers, though, how would you fix this? Uh, Do you look at it and say, this is just, you know, add a new president, add a new coach, and go out hard on free agency and try and trade everything for Anthony Davis? Uh, Is this, you know, having more of a conversation and having LeBron James really handpick a lot more and be much more involved with the team as far as the Lakers go? Uh, or option three, you're still in a total rebuild and you might have to think about trading LeBron James. Well, it sure is weird to say that, right? Can you do you do you believe and said that yourself right now? Tra- trade LeBron James? I, I gave um, it an option. I never said it's the right choice. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit unheard of. But here's the thing: you have one of the best players ever play the game in James. And don't get me wrong: Lakers decide that they wanted to trade LeBron James. There will be a team out there that will overpay them in picks to get LeBron James because he is that damn good. But if you're the Lakers, there's really only one way to go from here. You're in LeBron James for what? It was a four-year deal, so three more years left out of the season. For three years, you have a three-year window to win now. The team that you have isn't that bad. Alonzo Ball is still a young player. You know, Brandon Ink showed some that Kyle Kuzma is still a good young player. What the Lakers need to do, and if they don't, then they're in serious trouble they need to land a free agent this year. Whether it's Durant, whether it's Irving, they need someone. I w- honestly, I wouldn't trade everybody, including the water boy, for Anthony Davis. That's just way too much. It's way too many players for why. And then, especially if you don't know how you're going to construct your roster around potentially LeBron and Davis, 
I'd rather go get a free agent like Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, and then trade for another player to help bring in, you know, a thick, um, you know, uh, a guy, you know, kind of like what the 76ers did, Tobias Harris, later on, and bringing in a guy like that didn't cost them that much to get that guy from the club. So, you know, when it's all said and done, there's guys that are out there, right? A lot of people in the Lakers front office wanted Brooke Lopez back. They wanted Julius Randle back. Those are two guys that definitely could have been on this team this year. And if you pair him with LeBron James and another free agent like Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard, all of a sudden that's a pretty damn good team. So what the Lakers need to do, and again, this is a must. They need to land a free agent this year, this offseason, to make sure they're going in the by free agent, though, are you referring to, like, a Kemble Walker or DeMarcus Cousins, or you're referring to Twy Leonard, uh, Irving, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson? Yeah, you know, I shouldn't just say free agency. I, I mean, they should definitely explore some trades, too. They need another impact player that's also going to help LeBron James. So, to me, you know, LeBron has always been great, great when he has a shooter on his team. So, go out there and try and poach a guy like Clay Thompson. Know, try and get a guy like Demarcus. Try and get a Kemple Walker. Um, but I think they need to get somebody. They need an impact player. I'm not saying just go out there and bring in a bunch of different guys, but make sure you get an impact player. That way, if LeBron, basically, you should have another player in your team where if LeBron takes a day off, they, you can still win the ball game and not worry about LeBron being there and losing the game. Yeah, I got Honestly, and I'm sorry, but I'll throw one more thing. If I'm the Lakers, I go very hard at um, Kyrie Irving because I, I don't think it's a, a foregone he's coming to New York. I know a lot of Knicks hyped, but I'm sorry. I don't believe that Kyrie Irving told that he's coming to New York. I think it's like Durant comes to New York. I think with the whole Irving in Boston this year and him and his own team, I think this is making him appreciate LeBron James a lot more. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie and LeBron get back together in LA, but if not, if I'm the Lakers, I try and poach Clay Thompson Warriors. I mean, I would love to see LeBron James and Clay Thompson. I think that's an amazing fit uh, because of the fact that LeBron is always great when he's around shooters. And that's always been his key. Uh, what made it the fact that Captain Love and Tyree Irving worked so well, they both are shooters. Uh, Chris Bosh was more of a shooter towards when he was with the Miami Heat. I. Uh, he doesn't work with guys too well when it's just inside the paint as much because he can get there on his own. And I think that's one of those things where Russell Westbrook is a good example, and I hate to even try and compare LeBron James to Russell Westbrook. But you know what helped out Russell Westbrook so much? Of course, Paul George coming to the team. But the fact that it created a shooter on the team, someone he can pass to a bit more when he's driving. Instead of having to just try and pass it again close to the rim. So I think that's a little bit more of what LeBron James needs around him. I do think, though, option three of trade LeBron James is never happening for the Lakers. This is too big of a franchise. You added the greatest player of all time. And now in one year later, you're like, oh, well. Now we got to trade him. It, it just doesn't work that way. That that doesn't work out in any way you put it. So 
that's never happening. Uh, the fact is, it's a matter of how much the Lakers are going to be all in. Uh, if they can sign a player uh, right off the bat, and then if they can trade for Anthony Davis, I think that will work. Uh, certainly, the option of getting Anthony Davis is a great possibility. Uh, but there are plenty of options on the table. And let's not forget, you know, it's not the word, even if. The Lakers can't sign Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. The second best thing for the Lakers is if they both go to New York and neither one of them is in the Western Conference. That's not too bad. I I think the worst thing could be for LeBron James is Durant stays with Golden State the worst thing for the Lakers is Durant staying with Golden State, Clay Thompson staying with Golden State, Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers and not the Lakers, I think is the could be the worst thing for the Lakers in that regard, and then Tyree going to New York, which means you chose three different markets, one team that plays in the same arena as you, and you couldn't land one of the three biggest stars. That, I think, is the ultimate worst-case scenario. But still, an okay scenario is you know if Kawhi Leonard resigns at the Raptors, both Kyrie and Durant go to New York. I'm sure we in New York will be happy. Uh, but then it's a matter of you know you can still trade for Anthony Davis. Are the pieces you have enough after a couple of years of development? Uh, you know, it, it took D'Angelo Russell a few extra years. It could take a couple other guys a couple extra years in Brandon Ingram, in Lonzo Ball. Health has been a big question. Neither one has been able to play a full season uh, the last two years. So there, there's a bit of a question marks when it comes to that. Uh, but I, I do think first things first, LeBron James has to be more involved with the Lakers this season, with the Lakers this offseason, with recruiting this offseason. I think the big question, not the big question on the regards of like Space Jam 2 and not able to have players coming to that, I think is totally irrelevant. I think the fact that if LeBron James is going to commit himself to fully about the NBA again uh, this offseason, it should result in you know players wanting to play with him, whether that's Durant or Kyrie Irving or anybody. It's the greatest player of all time. And you're going to Los Angeles. Hey, man, don't knock Space Jam 2. Not yet. We haven't seen it yet. And I'm never going to knock Bud's Bunny. Uh, so, with that, let's jump into our next topic, which is the NBA playoffs. And before we go into that, we had a fun little debate, so we might as well bring it into the podcast as well. But the NBA, obviously the playoffs are set. One through eight for the Western Conference, one through eight for the Eastern Conference, and ESPN decides to every year post the 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 possibility one or, or the interesting idea of one to sixteen, in which this year Milwaukee would still be playing the eighth seeded Detroit Pistons if it would just be one through sixteen. Travel looked like hell in some of these comparisons. Uh, but you seem to still like the idea of the 1-16, through 16, and I, I felt this was the complete off year to do it because of the fact that all 16 teams that are in it 
are all the correct 16 teams by record. There's no, like, Western Conference team 9, 10, and 11 that have better records than 6, 7, 8 of the Eastern Conference. So this this debate seems like it's almost beating a dead horse at this moment because of the fact that the best records all got in this year for the first time in I don't know how long. Yeah, honestly, it's a year that it doesn't really you know matter in terms of uh, one through sixteen because, like you said, one through 16 was you know playoff teams, the top eight teams, Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. I still like the idea of the one sixteen. Honestly, I like I told you before the show, I go back and forth because you know a lot of times um, you have a lot of teams in the West that get snubbed. Um, when it's all said and done, uh, this year you didn't have that situation. But I also think the only reason the one through sixteen makes sense is because the Eastern Conference is so weak right now. Um, I think in a couple of years when teams, you know, if they draft better, if they sign certain players, you know, when players start shifting back over to the East, you know, um, when you know when teams start offering more contracts, like when some of the guys in the West start going to the Knicks and stuff like that, you know, then it'll get better. Um, but more Time. Nine times out of ten, you have getting screwed, uh, you know, because they're on the outside looking in, and it's not the West Conference fault that they're so stacked compared to the Eastern Conference. So, like I believe last year, a couple teams that missed the playoffs because they weren't a one through sixteen format. Um, and you know, I'm never a fan of losing teams getting to the playoffs. And I feel like what the Pistons had a losing record this year, correct? Or they were either five hundred. I don't like losing teams in the playoffs. Um, so the 1 through 16 would really eliminate that. Unfortunately, this year is not good proof in my in my corner, at least. Yeah. The travel doesn't seem worth it. On top of that, like, you know, the NHL changed their standings to increase rivalries in the playoffs. This year we've seen... You know, the Penguins are versing the Islanders to start it off. Uh, so, it, obviously, New York-Pittsburgh. We we know the rivalries behind that when it comes to the NHL. It's always going to be a hit. You look further along the line, when it comes to the NBA, the, the best storylines on this, it's not going to be Golden State versus the Orlando Magic, which would have been insane of a travel distance. Uh, the only way you can, I think, really consider this would be a best of five series. And you have to do like a 2-2-1 type thing just to make the travel a little bit easier. Uh, but the, the, the idea of Golden State to Orlando or Golden State and Los Angeles. It, there's not a question mark in there. Which one's easier? Boston would have to have traveled to the Utah Jazz to each game. Now, admittedly, that seems like it's a fun storyline. Gordon Hayward uh, with Utah, or especially I think the Thunder and the 76ers, the travel time, again, insane. But I think it would have been a lot of fun, Joel Embiid versus Russell Westbrook. We see how much those two have issues with each other on the court. Uh, during the regular season, imagine a playoff series of that. 
I, you figure one of them is going to be suspended by the end of it for fighting the other guy. But o- overall, no. It, it doesn't make sense, especially this year when you consider the standings that the top 16 teams all got in. Uh, I think it was just a silly thing by ESPN to even post out and just gets a lot more comments than anything. And, you know, at the end of the day, it gets us talking about it. But with that said, we have to do the the first round of the playoffs. And then after that, I want to get your NBA Finals teams. So let's start with, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to start with the Western Conference. So with that, the Golden State Warriors play the eight-seeded Los Angeles Clippers. Jose, who do you have going to the next round in that one? Well, I think the Clippers deserve credit this year. I think a lot of people aren't going to make the playoffs. A lot of people thought that this was a rebuild year for the Clippers. But never count a team that's coached by Doc Rue. Um, I think this team is really talented. has the right guys, the right mentality. Even when they took away a guy like Tobias Harris, I thought, oh, the Clippers are done. And yet they still came back and clinched a playoff spot. Um, honestly, it's a little deflating for the Clippers that they were down to the eighth spot. I mean, just a week in our last podcast, um, they were sitting at the number six seed. They were potentially getting ready to Houston Rockets. Um, uh, a little bit of a scuffle, not a good sign heading into as they fall down to the eighth. Um, but nonetheless, a really tough matchup here in the Warriors. Um, so as much as the Clippers deserve a lot of credit, and especially with all eyes being on the Warriors, because this, you know, arguably one of their, you know, one of their down years in terms of their dynasty for the Warriors. Um, here, I just give it to the better team. I can see Clippers winning one game, um, but it should be Golden State in a sweep or in five. Yeah, this is pretty simple, I think, for me. It's going to be the Warriors. Uh, it's hard to not pick them. Uh, I think it's unfortunate for the Clippers because I th- they've been such an underrated team this season, and it shows how great this organization was to trade away Blake Griffin, to not extend... DeAndre Jordan any further to to try and revamp their entire team from what it was years ago of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan to now it's a totally different team and they're still making the playoffs. And I don't think many people were going to consider this team a playoff team. And yet, like you said, they were they were fighting with the sit seed for most of the time and they fell off at the very end. Uh, they just run into a real tough matchup with Golden State Warriors and they're not going to be able to advance. With that, though, the one of my favorite teams this season, the Denver Nuggets, taking on the San Antonio Spurs. And these two teams have some of the best home records. Denver with the best home record in the NBA, 34-7. and San Antonio went 32-9 and at home. It That tied Portland and... Toronto for the third best home record, only Milwaukee one game better than those three teams. Uh, so it's two of the top five home records in the NBA clashing against each other. Who do you like in that series? It should be fun. Yeah, I mean, a great series. I mean, you're talking about Denver, such a good defensive team. You know, they give a lot of teams a lot of problems, and they're very. I don't feel like they get enough. Their head coach gets enough credit. And then you're going up against one of the best coaches of all time. So I'm really interested to see how the coach plays out in this series. Um, because you know it's going to be a good one. And it's going to be a good defensive clinic too. Again, here, I think you got to give credit to the Spurs. 
once Kawhi Leonard left, I feel like a lot of people were down on him. Um, no one knew how DeRozan was going to transfer to San Antonio, how he was going alongside LaMarcus Aldridge. But what Greg Popovich does is he work. Um, so a very fantastic job. However, I put them in the same boat as the Clippers, where here you just got to get a better team. And the Nuggets, to me, are one of those teams that's going to have a lot of teams' problems. I think this is a team that can really challenge Golden State later on. Uh, I mean, spoiler for who I have in the Western Conference Finals. But I think I'm going to give it to the Nuggets just because they're the better team in the first round. Usually, you just got to give it to whoever the better team is. And I think the Nuggets will get past the Spurs. It won't be easy. This could be a series that goes six or seven. I give the advantage to the Nuggets. When you think of both teams, though, do you think this was the matchup each team wanted? You know, I don't think so. I think, you know, it's funny. I think both of these teams that it wanted to avoid in the first round, right? Because, I mean, obviously, if you're a lower-seeded team, you don't want to go up against the top-heavy But if you're the Denver Nuggets, or even if you're the Warriors, you don't want to face in the first round. You're not going to sweep the Spurs, opinion. So this is why you don't want It's going to take a lot of games to beat the Spurs. You think the Nuggets want to play in the first round? want to play four and they want to you think they want to go seven that's a lot they want to do but the spurs play you tough like you said at home surprise me if this is of whoever the home wins wins their respective game and last team the nuggets want to face because you don't want to expend that much energy in the first round but this is a, that's going to really challenge yeah i think that the spurs couldn't draw portland and i for a lot of I thought Portland was just going to wind up as the four seed. Uh, so I didn't think that was a possibility for even San Antonio. I think this is a perfect matchup for San Antonio uh, because of the fact that of the home records. And it's basically just trying to say, hey, we do our job like we've done all season long. We win at home. And all we got to do is win, you know, one road game. And we can take this series. Because Denver, although they're a 500 team on the road, San Antonio is a much worse team on the road. And I think even for, you know, Denver, I think this is going to be a fighting team, uh, more of a battle, especially when you consider just the road issues that both Denver and San Antonio have had. Uh, this could be, you know, whoever wins the one road game in this takes the series. But I think San Antonio is happy with the matchup they draw, especially when you can avoid Golden State. And Denver, you know, it's a big team. Uh, San Antonio has a few big players as well, but when you think of Jokic, uh, the fact that you have him, it's going to keep you involved in almost every game. Uh, I, I like Denver. I'm always going to pick the team I've been rooting for a lot this season. Uh, so I have Denver advancing as well. Uh, Portland three-seeded versus the sit Oklahoma City. Jose can we see our first upset, or is it an upset if OKC beats Portland? You know, uh, it's it wouldn't be an upset, because 1-8 through eight in the Western Conference is so stacked. Now, obviously, Clippers beat the, if the Clippers beat the Warriors, yes, that's a major upset. If the Spurs beat the Nuggets because of the seeding, um, that's not really an upset because, you know, the Spurs can beat the Nuggets. Um Thing here to me, the Thunder can easily be a third seed, and the Trailblazers can easily be the 16th seed. So this is going to be a very high a matchup. Um, this is going to be another series that I could see going six or seven games. Nick, I feel like on the Eastern Conference side, 
there's a lot of games that you know are over within four, within five games. That's the case in the Western Conference side. Like I said, Denver Nuggets, San Antonio Spurs. To me, that's going to go six. Trailblazers, uh, Thunder. That's going to go. You know, I can go six or seven games too. You know, two of the best point guards in the league, Jimmy Lillard and Russell Westbrook. But here, this is a situation where if you're the Trailblazers, you don't want to face the Thunder, especially since you don't have Joseph Nurkic. Um, the Thunder are a really good team when they have their big men playing, especially when they got Ennis Cantor. That made a big deal for them. They were allowed to be a lot of teams around. Without Nurkic, I feel like that creates a big hole. And right now, Paul George, who you know not a lot of people are talking about him in the MVP candidacy, you know he's on fire too. So momentum is everything. And for me, I'm going to have the Thunder move on to the next round here. So technically an upset in terms of the seeding, but I don't think it's really an upset because you could make a strong case for the Thunder to make a deep run in this playoffs. All these matchups are just so tough in the West. Um, but I'm going to go with the Thunder over the Trailblazers only because the Thunder have more fire. They have more scores, and I feel like missing Joseph Ju- Nurkic is going to be a big deal for the Trailblazers. Yeah, for the Trailblazers, the, that would be getting eliminated very early in the playoffs yet again. Uh, you know, do, does that raise a lot of concerns with you when it comes to the organization of, you know, th- there's got to be something else done than what the team they have, or injuries at the very end of the season is going to be a good enough excuse to get it out of it with no. Nurtage, uh, no, which CJ is just coming back from his injury, and you figure he's not going to be 100% for these entire playoffs, uh, or especially not in the fullest of like basketball ready, especially for playoffs at times. And I haven't, you know, I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny because Trailblazers are almost like Thunder from a couple of years ago, right? Scott Brooks is one of his better head coaches in the game, but why did Thunder fire Scott Brooks? They just weren't getting results, right? At some point, you have to win series. You have to win playoff games. You can't just be, we were a good team during the season and get it done in the playoffs. However, I do think the injuries will be enough for this year to get through them again as well. You know, it's, it's just always poor timing for the Trailblazers. You know, same time last year. You know, they had a couple of key injuries, and then they matched up against the New Orleans Pelicans. And, you know, he matching up against a team that has Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, good luck out with those two ginormous. Um, so, again, they run into the problem here where they're facing a really talented first round. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just bad luck the drawing straws and drawing a, an opponent. Um, you know, if they match up with the Spurs or if they match up, you know, with the Jazz, maybe we're having a different conversation. But you're, you're matching up with a high power off in the uh, OKC Thunder. And like you said, McCollum just coming back. He looked good in his first couple of games back. But, you know, what kind of game shape is he in? You know, in terms of sinking in back in with the offense, we don't know. Nurkic, to me, I know a lot of people think he's an overrated player. That's a huge that cannot be, you know, it cannot, um, can't be overstressed the fact that they're going to miss him in this playoff, in, you know, in the entirety. Uh, let me run this idea. If let's just say, this could be a later tra- trade candidate for Damian Lillard. Uh, sh- would Portland consider the idea of trading Lillard away for Lonzo Ball, Kuzman, Brandon Ingram, and let's just say the first uh, the first round pick of the Los Angeles Lakers? Should that be, you know, a right price for Lillard or not even close? 
You know, I think it's a fair price. I don't know if it's the right price, um, but I'm going to now the Trailblazers are not making that deal. I think it's very, very clear that Damian Lillard wants to stay in Portland. I think Damian Lillard has a strong stance on he doesn't care if he wins any championships. Legacy matters more to him. So I think the Trailblazers will look to make Damian Lillard a Trailblazer fly as opposed to trading him. So even though that deal sounds good and it might benefit the Trailblazers, there's no way that they're trading Damian Lillard. It's always a possibility. I think at the end of the day, if you're, you're talking about adding three yeah, potential honestly, players, filling honest, out the roster. Might be the, yeah, it might be the right move. Have a player, you know, say, I spend the rest of my career here. That kind of pushes the needle elsewhere. And you're going to have to respond to some fans who are going to want you um, to push the pens to the paper ball, too. I think Damian Lillard's not the only one that's getting people to the arena. There, there are certain stars, there are certain players that do so. Uh, he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA because he plays in the Western Conference and because he plays for Portland. I think he would be having incredible success with LeBron James, uh, but I, I don't think that's a terrible deal for Portland to take. Uh, it, it fills out the roster immensely. Uh, it helps with some big time needs. Uh, so I, I, it's a possibility at the end of the day. I also have the Thunder beating Portland. Uh, by my conversations, I was pretty much saying Portland's in trouble. And I think it's mainly because of the fact that, you know, uh, OTC is the better team. They have the more star uh, power on their team. And on top of all that, they're not injured. And Steven Adams, I think, can have a very big series on the fact that I you're looking at a lot more offensive boards and this is going to be immensely on Enos Cantor to hold down that center position obviously he's been a starter for so long but the fact of the matter is it's a bit downgrade and Leslie probably the best matchup in the first round I think overall uh Houston versus Utah the four versus five can Ricky Rubio pull it off and get the upset or Donovan Mitchell uh, for the Jazz over the Rockets? Say, Ricky Rubio, come on, man. Don't do the spider luck. Um, I, I, Ricky Rubio lifer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Unix fans wanted him ever since the uh, his Euro days. This, like you said, has the potential to be the best series um, out of all of them. Which is saying... I feel like we got some good ones on paper. You know, San Antonio is going to be a good one. Uh, OKC in Portland is going to be good. This has potential to be a, you know, a really, really, really good um, series that could also go all seven games. Um, honestly, though, I'm going to roll with the Utahs because I feel like at some point, at some point, Jake Harden is not is going to run out of gas and not be able to carry the Rockets anymore. All year long, it's been mostly James Harden. This is not the same team. I feel like Ariza not being here is a huge X factor. I know they're still able to secure the third seed. Honestly, it's because of the MVP season, the MVP type season that James Harden is having. You know, Chris Paul has been very missed this year. Kren Chris healthy. And honestly, I just, you know, I feel like at some point, James Harden is going to get gas. The Utah Jazz play as a team as opposed to just. It's one player like Houston. So I'm going to roll with the Utah Jazz. 
gets it done and moves on to the crown. Oh, that would be very nice. Uh, I would Write love, it down, Nick. It's I, happening. I would love for that to happen, but I'm going to take the first opposite approach from you. Uh, I don't think ISO ball is the way to go for Houston, but I think the fact that Chris Ball is healthy and the Rockets have played extremely well, the teams, you know, when they've matched up, the Rockets have had the better edge over Utah, and I think this is just the wrong matchup that Utah draws. I think they were just really hoping for Portland in the first round and that to be a team they could advance through. But having to take on the Rockets, you know, this is... The Rockets were a team that was a, a two or a three seed most of the year. Uh, they're, they're tied for a three seed. I, I get it, the Western Conference, uh, just the game separates a few of them, but you know, the better team is Houston. The better players are on Houston. And in that situation, as much as I'll be rooting for Utah, I'd have to pick Houston. In the Eastern Conference, we'll start with the number one seed, Milwaukee, and head uh, versus the Detroit Pistons. Who has the most pressure on them in the Eastern Conference to get to the NBA Finals? You know, honestly, I'm going to go with the 76ers. Um, You know, this is a team that's been putting out the slogan, trust the process, trust the process. And for years, you know, they put this restriction on Joel Embiid. You know, they draft big time prospect of Ben Simmons. Now they got Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, they bring in Tobias Harris. To me, you know, trusting the process and then making all these moves this year, you know, signing J.J. Redick is all pointing to this year. I know a lot of people are going to say Atentacumpo and the Bucks, but honestly, he's going to get the MVP award. And really, it's just it's him or the and we knew the Bucks were going to be good. I, you know, if the Bucks got out in the second round, you know, I too surprised for the Raptors you know Kawhi Leonard is a rental player at this point we he's going to resign so you can argue that too but the Philadelphia 76ers has been advertising this group of players for a long time trust the process the fans have been buying in you can't run a slogan like that you can't tell fans wait wait for it, wait for it and then not completely so I feel like this is the year where fans say hey 76ers let's get to the finals at Eastern Conference finals at least you know even better to finals, but Sixers can ill afford to lose in the first round, even the second round. Uh, I think the pressure is on Toronto. Now, how many years have they been like the number one seed? This year they're number two. Uh, they trade to, uh, for Kawhi Leonard. All the pressure in the world's on them because they have to make a deep run if they want to try and keep Kawhi Leonard. This isn't just about this season. This is about this offseason for them and what they go with their team. And I think all the pressure is on Toronto at this point because they just have never been able to make a deep run. They're always losing to a LeBron James team. And I think they look and say they have the best player or the second best player in the entire Eastern Conference on their team. And they've been here before plenty of times trying to make a deep run. I, I think Toronto has the most pressure right now. That being said, we'll start with the number one seed, the Milwaukee Bucks, playing the Detroit Pistons. Jose, does Detroit have a shot? No. Buck four, <laughs> move on. Okay. Was that is that too? Uh, was no, that okay? no, that's that's perfect. 
I, I agree that Butts are going to be able to win this series, and it shouldn't really be much of a question mark to it. Uh, from there, we two seed Toronto, and I think it's what the uh, Olen, not Olen, trying to Orlando Magic. Yes, it was. I knew they were tied with the Nets. I wasn't sure who got the tiebreaker. Uh, the Orlando Magic playing on the Toronto Raptors. That'll be a little bit of a fun travel. Uh, Toronto from Orlando, but Orlando's been playing very well. They're very hot. Can they continue the pace? Um, yes and no. I do think, you know, I think going into this on paper, you're thinking, okay, this should be a Toronto sweep. Um, but I feel like the Magic have been playing so well lately that they could be able to steal one game at least from Toronto. I think this series can go five. Um, maybe, maybe it goes six. Um, but I think this is either going to be a sweep for Toronto or the Magic pick up a game. The Magic have been playing very well. You give them all the credit in the world. Certainly didn't expect them to be there. Love Mo Bamba. Can't say it enough. Love the song as well, too. But again, this is just the fact that Toronto is just a better team than Orlando. So eventually the hot team is going to run into the better team, and this is where their run ends. Um, I think this is good for, for Orlando to make the playoffs. Um, it's a step in the right direction, and I feel like even though they're going to lose to the Raptors, they can really take this as, you know some more confidence for them going into next season. Yeah, Orlando still won the division at the end of the year. That, that, that's a little bit sad, but it's just, you know... <laughs> didn't but, take much, did it? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of curious what Orlando even got into the playoffs without that. Because they came close to not being in the playoffs, but the Nets' best team, I think, is the Heat, who was also in their division, and Charlotte... So somebody ha- somebody had to get there representing that division. <laughs> uh, Toronto is going to be able to beat them. Uh, this should take no more than five games. Uh, I think Orlando can get hot. They can shoot themselves and put themselves in one game. They can make it competitive at times for the Raptors. Uh, I think you spent close games for majority of this series, but at the end of it, Toronto's going to easily bypass Orlando. Onto your pressure team, the 76ers, playing your team, the Brooklyn Nets. So who makes it out of that one? Well, again, the 76ers have established a really good team this year. I feel like Dumb getting Jimmy Butler caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, Dumb picking up Tobias, too, also caught a lot of people by surprise, and yet they're making it work. You know, there's only one battle, and there's been a lot of talk about Butler being a selfish player. But for some reason, the 76ers are making it work. Right? With Ben Simmons, with Jimmy, J.J. Redick, there's so many different fans of the team, so many different ways they can go. They have Boban, for crying out loud, second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, but at the end of the day, they make it all work. And it ter- it's funny because they have probably what people call like the self-players with Embiid and stuff like that, but yet they're still able to share the basketball. Give Brooklyn tons of credit. D'Angelo was on fire this year. My vote for the most improved player would be D'Angelo Russell. I think Boston. I, mean, I think Brooklyn. You know they have a nice little team. Um, wish they would get some more star power in the off season. However, one key X factor is that Joel Embiid, his health. There are some rumors he not be able to. You know he might miss a game or two or something like that. Embiid is hurt. That might be a big key for Brooklyn to try and sneak into the series. What I'm trying to say, Nick, is. Write it down. Upset special. I'm being a little bit biased. Brooklyn in six. 
<laughs> Went from most pressure to going fan favorite. I uh, have to. I, I, I can't. Nick, this might be the only time Brooklyn makes it in. This might be a fluke. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a fluke. I think this well, is... If they can't re-sign D'Angelo Russell, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Brooklyn Nets have space for two contracts. The question is, does D'Angelo Russell want to come back? I think D'Angelo Russell would want to come back. This is where his you know, career has really took off as a player. I, I also I, feel like he's really meshed well with me, too. Yeah, and you know, when you do as much as you've done for the team, get to the All-Star game, help this team get to the playoffs, be the guy on this team, at times it just it weighs more that the team wants you back. They want to build their team around you, and I think that's their same game plan here. Uh, with that being said, I'm still going to give it to the 76ers. I, I think even without a, without a Joel Embiid, I don't think that should slow the 76ers down too much. The Nets are always known for playing close, tight games. I think that can be the case at times with the 76ers, but overall, this is just a better team. I am much, much better starting lineup. And lastly, it's the Indiana Pacers versus the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics probably being outside of the Lakers. I mean, are they the biggest letdown team this season? You know, it's weird to say a playoff team is a letdown team. Um, but, you know, standards, yeah, they were a little bit of a letdown year. We expected Boston to be the first seed, the second seed, and yet they fall all the way to four. Um, that's very interesting, and I think Boston's had a really rough year, and it's surprising, right? Because, you know, they played really well last year without Kyrie Irving. Now Kyrie's healthy this year, and yet they're as a fourth seed. That, to me, honestly, is it's it's, it's really stunning and it's really shocking. Um, so I, I think it's really disappointing for the Celtics. Honestly, I think because of late this year, they basically took themselves out, took themselves out of what was supposed to be their Kyrie Irving sweepstakes, I don't send back to Boston this year because of the disappointment. Yeah, Boston has been very questionable for me, uh, but they still should be able to beat Indiana. This should be a tough series for it Boston. It's a series to draw for a struggling Boston. But if you weren't going to finish as one of the top three, I think you wanted to play... Indiana over the 76ers. I know the 76ers, they've had good numbers against, but trying to go a full series against the 76ers or taking on Indiana uh, without Indiana having Victor Oladipo, I think you would want to roll Indiana each time. I'm going to give Boston the benefit of the doubt in this series, but I'm not giving Boston much expectations. And you had Indiana or Boston? I'm rolling with Boston as well. All right. And lastly, let's get a finals prediction from you. Who Ooh, do you ha- a finals. Yep. Let's see. You know, this is a little bit a lot of good good teams. The Warriors on the uh, representing conference. Uh, I like Denver a lot. It's going to be Denver and Golden State in the in the Western Conference Finals. Let me start there. Um, I think you know Golden State's too far. The better team. I think Denver's going to play them tough. It can really go six or seven games. 
be almost like what we saw last year between Houston and and Golden State. But I'm going to give it to Golden State. They're at the Western Conference. On the side, I'm actually going to have the Milwaukee Bucks and the Raptors uh, facing off uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's actually going to lead Milwaukee um, getting into the, the Finals. I'm actually going to roll with both seeds. Um, you know, Toronto, it's one of those I don't trust in actually get to the Finals. I picked them. Um, I really love Bucks this year. And it's funny because I look at the Bucks and I say, well, where without Atentacupo. There's no one else there's no one else beyond him. You know, he he carries this offense. There's no good players around him. Saying that all year long. And they've won games with having no other players around them. But I think it's because of the players they have around them, which allows Giannis to be Giannis. You know, they have good players like Brogdon. You know, they have other setup players too to help him out. So it's not just Giannis when it's all said and done. Um, so I think it'll be Warriors and Bucks in the NBA finals. However I think Giannis by himself is not enough to stop um, the Golden State Warriors. I feel like this is Dwight Howard against the Lakers all over again from way back when. Um, so I give the Warriors another title, this time over the Milwaukee Bucks. What, no love for Chris Middleton? I like Chris Middleton, but let's face it. If Giannis was not in the Bucks, are they a number one seed? Are they a top three seed? Well, they're not a number one seed, I don't think, but... Yeah, you know, Middleton is one team? of the most underrated players, I think, in the NBA. Sure, but it's the reason why Giannis is going to be the MVP this year is because he really carried that team. Fair enough. Uh, so, I, I agree with you. I think Milwaukee is going to play Toronto, but I'm going to take Toronto in the finals uh, over Milwaukee. I think it's going to be a great series. I think that's going to be what could be the most entertaining series in all the playoffs uh but at the end of the day they're not going to be able to beat golden state golden state this team was just made to win championships and that's it they care less about the regular season and they still finish first in the regular season why because there's just nobody that can really beat them on any given night and any team there's just not a team right now out there that can beat the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are going to win the championship. This year, it's going to be over Toronto. And, you know, I think it's going to be a, a little bit harder than last year. Uh, a little bit more of a fight. I, I'm sure there's going to be no J.R. Smith mess-ups. But that being, you never know. <laughs> that being said, I'll give Toronto like a game. Uh, but this should be a five-game series. With Golden State winning the championship. So we both have Golden State and for their last one, I should add. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think this, it might not be their last one ever, but I think their last one in a row. I, they're not gonna, I don't have them winning the year after. So, with that, we talked about dysfunction with the Lakers. Uh, there's always seems to be dysfunction going on with the Steelers, and even with players that are not on the Steelers anymore. Uh, so Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster got into like this Twitter feud uh, over the past couple days, and just the two of them going back and forth, and, and Juju really was what seems like the peacemaker in all this, just always wanting the best for his friends. And Antonio Brown more saying that he fumbled and cost 
the Steelers the playoffs. When Antonio Brown was even playing in the last game of the season, I think that's beyond hypocritical in its own sense. Uh, but let's talk about the Raiders for a sec. If you're the Oakland Raiders and you're seeing this still going on and you're seeing these outtakes by Antonio Brown, and essentially you knew what you were getting into, and there's a reason why Antonio Brown went for so little of a cost. But is there a lot of concern in your mind? You know, honestly, if I was ownership, I would be, uh, because this is the last thing you need, right? Uh, you know, the Raiders had one of the worst records last year. They traded away two of the better players in the league, and Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Um, you know, they were able to salvage and get at least a couple of first-round picks for them, so good for them. Um, but when it's all said and done, um, you need a guy like Antonio Brown to try and turn this franchise around, and yet you have all this excess drama. But you shouldn't also be too surprised because it's what you get from Antonio Brown. You get the drama, you know, you get all the antics, you get all the distractions. But what you're hoping is that his on-the-field put is worth all that Really, that's what happened with uh, Pittsburgh as well, too. In Pittsburgh, they say, you know, he's a diva, but you like the offense that came with the stuff. But Mike Tomlin put up with his divas, put up with his diva antics. The output was great. Once Antonio Brown, you know, started declining a little bit, Pittsburgh said, you know what? We don't want to deal with him anymore. For Oakland, you're going to deal with the distractions. You're going to deal with all this, you know, this that's going on. But if you're hoping, you're just hoping, what do you feel? is going to be worth for putting this crap. I mean, I'm concerned. I, obviously, you knew it was going to be bad in the sense of he's going to be involved, he's going to talk a lot, there's going to be a lot of different issues because that's just what Antonio Brown has been for the past couple of years. And it just amazes you, or amazes me, on the fact that it's like, oh, you won't expect him to do anything like this, I mean, there's the possibility, but there's just, it's unnecessary for it to occur. And sure enough, here it goes. There's no point. Especially something so silly of saying the fumble thing. Juju had just as good or a better year than Antonio Brown. And for most of the season, Juju was a better player than Brown for the Steelers. And Juju played in the last game. He's not getting suspended for issues. This just... It's just silly what's going on. And on the flip side, you see it with like, James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon posts a picture of a James Conner text onto social media. Obviously, he didn't have to, but he did because, you know, of everything that's going on and, you know, the heat that probably Avion Bell has taken for a while. You see, like, better teammates. And sure, Le'Veon had his issue with his teammates because he didn't play for a year, but there's still high respect on the same side of that guy that was learning from the guy above him, and Connor to Bell, and Juju to Brown, and there's just a whole different attitude change of one person and another. So I think this was really silly. It was by far a diva thing by Antonio Brown. You you have now what is probably the biggest diva in the entire NFL on your team if you're the Oakland Raiders. 
and you know at the end of the day if you're going to have to deal with issues from him no matter what happens in the game. Whether he's not getting enough touches, or he's not going to get the ball thrown to him enough, or winning's an issue, or whatever it occurs, you know Antonio Brown is going to have something to say, whether it's to the media or social media at that point. So it's it's not going to be a win for the Raiders at the end of the day, unless he's performing extremely well on the field. And that still can be questionable just by Derek Carr's numbers, because he's not been bent at the end of the day. He doesn't throw the long bombs. So, I want to go into one NHL, but overall topic. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning finished with, tied for the most wins in the regular season. And it seems like we always have this question debate when it does pop up. Uh, the Lightning, NHL, Obviously, it's way harder to win in, you know, the Stanley Cup, especially in hockey, because it's just the one can lose to the eight plenty of times it happens. You have a great goalie night, and that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. But it brings back to the always recurring question. Is it when you finish with the best record in your sport, the year is a loss if you don't win the championship? You know, honestly, I, and I really think so. Because all said and done, during the regular season, wins and losses definitely do matter. Um, it determines how you get in. Um, it determines home field advantage. But once you get to the playoffs... The wins and losses go out the window. It's like you said, it's harder because when you get to the actual playoffs, everybody belongs there, right? It's why they're there. It's why they make the playoffs. Except for the NBA, you have those teams like the, the Pistons who got in by default. But nine times out of ten, the teams that are left in the playoffs are there because they belong there, because they played well. So it's not easy, and no one's saying it is. But when you walk away with the best in your sport and not just the best record overall for that year but the best record in like league history you know a the 2000 mariners and you don't win world series the golden warriors and you don't win the nba final and the three and nineteen when you don't walk away with the title it means nothing yes it's a nice stat you'll go down in history yes it's a nice season but no one will care unless you're raising the trophy at the end of the year. If anything, it just looks half the job done, and it will leave a sour taste in your mouth. That's look at it. Because if I had that team, I would think, man, such a great year, such a great team, we could have one. You know, we always at the end of the day, it should be considered if you're going to have, like I said, the best record. Just the best record for that year, you're expected to win the championship. When you have the best record all time for your sport, you must win your championship. It doesn't happen. Just look at baseball, look at basketball, look at football. It just doesn't happen. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping the Lightning can be the difference maker to that. 
because they've had an amazing year, and I think it's very hard to kick it into that Nets level deer in the very beginning part of the playoffs. I think that could be a big concern when you talk about hockey. You have more of a chance to get eliminated earlier than you do, you know, getting to the Stanley Cup, of course. Uh, but you know, the, the pressure is on the Lightning 100% when you finish with the most wins in your sport uh, all time. And for them, the, the expectation should be there. At the end of the day, you know, we, we put the same expectation on the Warriors when they lost to LeBron James. We put the same expectation on the Seattle Mariners. The same expectation goes to the Patriots. And all of them weren't able to do so. But when you finish with the best record, you're expected to win the championship. I think that should always be the first step. And with that, we're going to jump into our Beardback and our Dude and Dunce of the Week. And so for Beardback, we have a few. And one of the big ones that stood out to me was 1989, the first playoff goal scored by a goalie. Ron Hetzdale for the Philadelphia Flyers. And then further into 2004, the U.S. Masters, Austria, uh, Austria National, Phil Mickelson claims his first major title. And then in 2010, he would win his third Green Jacket. So it's been a pretty good day, I think, usually uh, April, <laughs> uh, April 11th for Phil Mickelson. And for our dude of the week, it's going to be a co-ownership, but it's going to go to Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, I think, posted a triple-double in his final game. Uh, Dirk, I think, had 20 points, 10 rebounds in his final game. Uh, both players, two of the greatest of all time. Dirk Nowitzki probably will go down as the greatest European basketball player to play in the NBA. Uh Certainly, both had made so many impacts to the game of basketball. And overall, one of the best rivalries because of the fact that these two teams met in the championship twice, uh, both going even one-on-one. Certainly, you know, two of the greatest. And that's our Dudes of the Week. And with a Dude of the Week... Who is our dunce of the week? My dunce is going to go to Chris Archer from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, if you don't know what happened, Chris Archer sparked a benches clearing. Call it a brawl. Call it more of a tussle. Really, it was only Yasiel Puig that was acting crazy. Um, he decided to hit Derek Dietrich with a pitch because Derek Dietrich watched his home run go into the river. It was a pretty amazing home run. You should look it up if you haven't seen it already. But my thing is, is that Chris Archer, I look at you as a hypocrite because how many times if Chris Archer gave a fist pump on the mound, Nick, how many times Archer moonwalked off the mound after striking out the side? Bottom line is Chris Archer is a passionate baseball player who shows emotions. But when you don't like Derek Dietrich watch his home run, that makes you hypocritical. Don't showboat on the mound if you don't like when people showboat against you. And better yet, Nick, if Chris Archer doesn't want Dietrich to watch his home run, maybe don't right down the middle where I could even hit it into the river. Chris Archer, dunce of the week. 
You know, is it really that threatening throwing behind the player that every year leads the lead and hit by pitch? I always find that funny. Derek Dietrich somehow is the guy. Uh, every year he's number one in hit by pitch. All magnet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the player, but I always find that a weird stat that he's always got to his name. Uh, certainly... You know, the right move to suspend him five games. Yasiel Plead got two in that one. Uh, With every episode, we do final thoughts as well. And so, you know, with that, uh, final thoughts for me. I'm going to try and take uh, that brawl on your mind and say they really should look to suspend pitchers a little bit more. Uh, Five games is just one day. Uh, in the end of it all, I, I think if you really want to try and put a little bit more to avoid something as pointless as that one, especially when the, the, you're not even defending your own team, you're just defending yourself and you're just mad, uh, that that should be a little bit more. Uh, of course, he didn't hit him, but in the case that if he did, I think they really should look to go 7 to 10 games. In, for pitchers, it's only still one start at the end of the day when you talked about five. And Jose, what is your final thoughts for podcast episode 48? Well, my final thought is a very sad thing that occurred earlier this week. If you have not heard, Donald Trump decided to block the recent agreement between Major League Baseball and the country Cuba, which basically, long story short, um, denied the MLB teams from... Cuban players straight out of Cuba. Um, again, not getting political or anything, but a sad state for baseball when you can't have some of the most talented players come over as they wish. Um, they have to go back to the old way of their doing it now. For those of you who don't know the old way, it's the player would have to escape Cuba on their own, which is a very dangerous thing to do regardless. Establish residence in the country like DR or Puerto Rico and have teams go able to get their player. Um, you know, to me, it's a really sad baseball when this happens because, especially when you have a guy like Jose Fernandez, who you know escaped Cuba not once, not twice, three times to try and better his life over here in the states, and was so happy to become a U.S. citizen. You know, Cuba has really talented ball players that deserve to get a spotlight on them. Um, you know, again, they're one of the better baseball playing as well too. And the fact that we can't have these players display their skill is a really sad thing, or the fact that they have to do so many hoops just for them to display their skills. Um, it's just a really sad day for the sport. We can't keep it growing because someone wants to be punished um, and overturn, you know, someone else did years ago. Their only goal is to overturn their stuff. Um, so overall, it's just a sad day for baseball when that happens. Yeah, uh, certainly so. When you think of, like, how much baseball is involved outside of the United States and something like that can, you know, affect it. Uh, never a good day. Uh, with that, though, uh, my last moment of a uh, congratulations to Kofi Kingston. Uh, yeah, Kofi Mania. <laughs> uh, Kofi Kingston winning uh, the title for the WWE. Uh, long overdue. Long overdue. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I wasn't able to watch WrestleMania. I just saw a lot of the highlights, unfortunately. But, 
Kofi winning it was by far one of the biggest highlights for me. Uh, so congratulations to him, and thank you so much for listening to podcast episode 48 of Sarasso and the Beard. Once again, I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm Beard, Jose Rivera. Enjoy the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs as well. And we'll be doing podcast episode 49 coming out next week. And then episode 50 will be our GOAT episode of the greatest of all time, the top 10 GOATs of all time. We'll explain a little bit more in details in a little bit of towards the end of episode 49 and, of course, go into it in episode 50. Uh, So certainly exciting points for 49 and 50. You don't want to miss them. And thank you again for listening to Saras on the Beard podcast, episode 48. Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today.